0: Welcome to the Universal Joint Podcast. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host Dustin Fuse and I are recording this on Saturday night, October 19th. Which means we have nothing to do, Dustin. This is such a sad commentary. <laughs> we could
1: be at a theme park, you know? We we could be doing anything else. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it, it's it's a, a hockey night in Canada mm-hmm. mixed in with the weekend of the election, federal election up here. So I am oh. glad to talk about theme parks. Okay, okay, cool. Tell you what, let's at least have a slight little
0: self-congratulatory moment here because back in February this year, you and I were talking about how Universal Creative was looking for something to do with the T two three D Battle Across Time show building, which is located on Hollywood Boulevard in, in Universal Studios, Florida, and it was on our February twelfth show. Dustin, we shared that one of the ideas that Universal Creative was seriously considering was a Jason Bourne themed experience. Which, given that NBC Universal has really been pressuring the Universal Parks to make even more use of the company's intellectual property, you know, it just made sense. I mean, that's how, for example, the Beverly Hills Boulangerie. Boulangerie. There we go. But anyway, it was, it was operated at Universal Studios of Florida for 30 years under that name. But that wound up, it got turned into the Today Show Cafe back in May. Hey, that rhymes. <laughs> it's all about synergy, folks. So it was actually kind of nice after sort of putting that out there to have the PR department at Universal Orlando Resort confirm that what we put out eight months ago was right. Here's what they released to the press on on Tuesday, October 15th. The Born Stuntacular, an all-new cutting-edge live-action stunt show, will debut at Universal Studios Florida in the spring of 2020. Based on Universal Pictures' blockbuster born film franchise, the born stuntacular will blur the lines between stage and cinema in a hybrid form of entertainment that has never been seen before. Which tells me whoever wrote this. Press release hadn't ever been to T2 3D battle across time.
1: Yeah, it it definitely sounds like it was a uh, someone who had been hired in the two years since T2 3D had uh, had closed. <laughs> I, said,
0: I mean, you know, when that show opened in April of 1996, I mean, all c- people could talk about was how this 26-minute long theater-based experience blended live performers, practical effects, a 3D movie— which at one point is being shown on three 50-foot wide screens that sort of encompass the entire audience and in the theater pyro to deliver a kind of a mini-sequel to James Cameron's July 1991 smash hit Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Did you ever mm-hmm. get to see that?
1: Oh, yeah. That's a, it's one of those classic movies that you almost just have to sit and watch. There's like, what, we're looking in that 91 through until 99. Mm-hmm. There's so many great action movies that came out, mm-hmm. so obviously that was on the shelf.
0: The brand new Terminator movie that's coming out in theaters in less than two weeks, that's actually a direct sequel to Terminator 2 Judgment Day and T2 3D Battle Across Time. Evidently, Cameron himself produced this thing. Uh, more importantly, mm-hmm. he persuaded Linda Hamilton to come back to play Sarah Connor and. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is back as their Terminator again. This thing's called Terminator Dark Fate. And it deliberately overlooks every single other Terminator movie. The only ones that matter are Judgment Day and T2 3D Battle Across Time, which was actually shot in May of 1995. In fact, the 12-minute long 3D movie portion of this attraction was shot in a deserted steel mill in Desert Center California, and Cameron himself shot the very first part of this this film. Given that it was shot at night, because it has to have that authentic post-apocalyptic
1: feel. I mean,
0: you know, he was really invested in this
1: project. So basically we're we're forgetting Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, mm-hmm. Terminator Salvation, Terminator Genesis. Okay, that sounds about right. It's a separate <laughs> timeline, and yeah,
0: you know, we will not speak of that. Anyway, getting back to the Bourne Stentacular, did you see where Universal PR accidentally sent this off to a couple of outlets on Monday, out ahead of the official release on Tuesday, and then had to ask really nice, could, could you not run that story? Could you kind of sit on that for 24 hours, which in today's instant information sharing It's kind of hard to put that genie back in the bottle.
1: Yeah, I heard that they published it on social media, and it was a mistake, which is similar to what happened back in 2008 with the Monsters, Inc. situation that went into uh, on the hub. It was Mm -hmm. up there for, what, eight hours? And then all of a sudden people were like, oh, no, this is not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. I heard that's what happened with this, and there are a number of outlets that responded you know sure absolutely you guys as long as it's going out today Mm -hmm. that's fine but i i know a a bunch of news outlets that got him was just like well you put it out there yourself (laughs) So why would we take it back if you're going to put it out later? We're in a a, a news cycle where if you don't have the first, you don't have it. No, that's it exactly. And again, I'm not going to say we were first to break this news, but we
0: did have it eight months ago. But according to last week's press release, the Born Sentacular will be opening at Universal Studios Florida sometime in the spring of
1: 2020 but that takes you out of the rumors that they were somehow going to have it open by the end of the year at the same time though what's kind of intriguing is the marquee
0: went up i think the very next morning after the announcement if we go by the traditional definition of spring which means it ends july 21st when you know summer (laughs) begins so there's basically eight months now till this attraction is supposed to be open and But there's no information about who's going to be playing Jason Bourne in the 3D film portion of this attraction, which, again, according to the official press release, is supposed to include footage that's projected on this immense LED screen, making it possible to discern between where the live action ends and the cinema begins, which, again, tells me whoever wrote this press release didn't go to T2 3D because, you know, the motorcycle comes out and they drive around and they go back through the screen. I mean, it's just... Same gag, better technology. So who now is going to play Jason Bourne for this attraction? And You have to assume it's going to be Matt Damon. I mean, he's played this character in four of the five films that make up this Universal Pictures franchise. But just this week, over on the USA Network, Treadstone, which is the Bourne, the television spinoff of the Bourne film series, debuted. And... While he was out doing publicity for this new television series, Ben Smith, who has produced the Born film series for Universal Pictures, as well as the Treadstone series for the USA Network, was quoted as saying, We are definitely working on another film. What are we doing within that? Will there be connective tissue between Treadstone and the next Born film, with all the characters existing in the same world and universe? Absolutely. So it's like okay, that's cool, but that's all Ben Smith said. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay. So how does Treadstone and this Universal's next Born movie link up, or for that matter, how does this TV show and Universal Pictures allegedly already in development Born feature film then connect with the Born stuntacular? We may catch a break though because Disney is about to release through 21st Century Fox. This film called Ford versus Ferrari. Okay. And Matt Damon is actually starring in that film on a Christian Bale. That doesn't hit theaters till the 15th of November. So Matt's out doing PR now, and hopefully, some enterprising reporter during the junket or, you know, as he's making the rounds at the daytime talk shows or Kimmel or Fallon or that sort of thing. Someone will ask him, get him on the record, or is he going to play Jason Bourne again? And more to the point, what's the deal with this theme park attraction? The Bourne Stuntacular logo and signage went up on the marquee of Universal Studios' old T2 3D Battlecross Timeshirt building earlier this week. So supposedly people who are in the Universal AP Lounge will have a wonderful view
1: of this, right? Oh, absolutely. And and funny uh, news about that, Mm -hmm. it looks like the AP... Perks are going to be extended through until 2020, mm-hmm. and so that's something that we've been following for a while. How there's the DAP uh, the Lounge, which is sponsored by Coca-Cola. How it's it's a great place to just kind of get away. Uh, they've got all their their Coca-Cola beverages and all their um, the Arctic Coke cooler, which crystallizes all the the beverages in you know a matter of seconds. But the other thing that was very interesting in the the news release that came out regarding the annual pass holders' perks is that. They're now going to be able to have a separate line at uh, the entrance. So it looks like they'll be taking the queue, I guess, from (laughs) get it queue because it's a line. Uh, uh, They're going to be taking their their queue from Disney because Disney at most of their theme parks has a, a separate entrance for annual pass holders. So it looks like they're going to be doing that at both Islands of Adventure and Universal Studios Florida.
0: Cool. Okay. Wow. Another uh, the reason to spring for that AP, folks. Anyway, getting back to Matt Damon. Uh, what he said in March of 2017. In fact, this was an interview in the Toronto Sun. He basically said to the reporter there, maybe audiences are done with this character. And so yep. I'm genuinely intrigued to hear what he's going to have to say about this newborn movie that Ben Smith says it is already in development, uh, to mention The Born Spectacular. And while we're talking about uh, Universal Pictures releases... I think it was on the last show, our last Universal Joint, Dustin, we talked about how, what, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, B.D. Wong, and Jeff Goldblum, who are all alums of the Jurassic Park film series, are now slated to reprise their roles for Jurassic World 3, which is now supposed to begin shooting in February. According to news that broke in the past week, the cast roster for this Colin Trevorrow movie was further filled out when Manamud Ati from Sorry for Your Loss, and Dewanda Weiss from Netflix, She's Gotta Have It series were signed to play leading roles in the third film of the Jurassic World series. So, which roles do Athie and Weiss play? Universal Pictures is keeping the script for Jurassic World 3 under tight lock and key, but what folks uh, associated with this Frank Marshall production have told me is that in Jurassic World 3, Mahmoud and Dowando will supposedly be playing a couple that surprised, you know, face some challenges with you know giant reptiles chasing them around. But anyway, that's that's we'll we'll learn more about what they do in the film come
1: June 2021. But that sounds sounds very similar to what people have been saying is that this could possibly be like the Swan song, This is the the end, because they're bringing all of these characters back. To maybe... And, you know, I I don't foresee Universal stopping Jurassic World after 3. I could definitely see them moving Jurassic World into another trilogy, maybe focusing on these two characters. But I'm always worried as soon as they start making the last movie be, you know, Oh, we're bringing Sam Neill back, Laura Dern, BD Wong, Jeff Goldblum. The kids are coming back. Like, there's all these different characters coming back. And it's just like, okay how many more can you bring in before you're creating a, a screenplay that may not work may not have all these these loose ends so it, it's very interesting seeing more come out of Jurassic World 3 mm, i agree i agree
0: but at the same time if you take the 30,000 foot view and the money that the company just spent on you know parks and resorts for the redo on the lower lot of the Jurassic park the ride to become the Jurassic Mm -hmm. World attraction. Likewise, you know, if you just look across Island Adventure Lagoon at what's being built out in front of the Jurassic Park Discovery Center. I mean, the Velocicoaster, we think that's the name. They trademarked it. They did trademark it. But remember when you and I talked about, oh, that's supposed to be the attraction for the summer of 2020 and anybody who's looking at how the construction is proceeding right now, it's Less and less likely that that thing's going to be ready by next summer, or or next year even. Which, given the operational issues that have dogged Hagrid's magical creature's motorbike adventure during its first summer of operation...
1: By the way, did, did you hear about the bees... I heard about the bees. we We were very concerned for the bees, as everyone is, but it was it was a as as a theme park fan, I was you know, giving universal their their due for making sure that everyone was safe because the last thing you want to do is having so many people go through an attraction where possibly they could get stung and there are people who have serious allergies, and there's a also a a level of. Uh, i think protectiveness i i think honeybees and bees in florida have a certain protection level that they can't just go in with an exterminator and be like bye so they they had to do something to you know make sure that the, the bees were safe and such but it was it must have been very frustrating for guests who bought a day ticket or you know traveling down there on a vacation and then realizing oh i can't ride something that we've seen everyone say this is the best coaster at universal and to be thwarted by bees Mm.
0: at least when it comes to island adventures next throw ride the mantra for that theme parks management team right now is at least when it comes to the Velociraptor, is Mm -hmm. look there's no need to rush let's just get it right that this time okay Right now, if you're watching construction, which hopefully we'll get to do uh, when we're down there next month, focus right now is on foundation work, uh, making yep. sure that all of the necessary retaining walls are in the right places and because they they want to have the best possible show uh, mm-hmm. for guests who are in the park at, while construction is going on uh, to keep construction de- debris from getting out into Island Adventure Lagoon. They've actually set up a, a line of buoys just offshore, from the Jurassic mm-hmm. Park Discovery Center. Getting back to uh, Jurassic Park
1: 3. Oh, Jurassic World 3. Uh, excuse me, Jurassic World 3, my mistake. Jurassic Park 3 was one of my favorite movies. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I can not uh, even say that with a straight face. Oh, come uh, on. It
0: was directed by Joe Johnston. Uh, the guy made the Rocketeer. Don't say bad things about Joe Johnston. So, again, um, I've been hearing this out of California. The folks at Universal Pictures are supposedly kicking the tires of the idea of holding the press event world premiere of Jurassic World 3 at Universal, the, the Universal Lander Resort. With the idea as part of this fest, uh, these festivities, the celebrities we mentioned earlier, Biddy Wong, the kids coming back, you know, the whole schmear, as well as the members of the press who are covering the premiere, would be among the first to get to experience the VelociCoaster. But again, you know, as I just bobbled the name here, there's one teeny tiny problem with this plan. The movie that Universal Pictures is releasing in June of 2021 is called Jurassic World 3. And Universal's Island Adventure currently has a Jurassic Park, which is why the studio's PR team has reportedly asked if it might be possible to retheme this part of that theme park to Jurassic World before late May Early June of 2021. After the summer that Islands had just had with Hagrid's Magical Creatures motorbike adventure being down for hours, sometimes days, mm-hmm. you know, the operations team at, at Islands supposedly has turned to the PR team at Universal Pictures and said, We're going to consider ourselves lucky if the VelociCoaster is actually up and running without any operational hiccups by June of 2021. So, Let's not bite off more than we can chew here, get out ahead of ourselves by also trying to transform Jurassic Park into the Jurassic world in this exact same window of time. But that said, you know, NBC Universal is one giant corporation. And as we talked about on the last show with the Battle of at Big Rock and Camp Cretaceous and the Jurassic Park Arena show, oh, excuse me Jurassic World Arena show. This is a giant IP for the company. They may just lean on the folks at Islands to the effect of, "Look, this has to be done, especially if we're looking to do this press event world premiere here." So, and and also, let's not forget that this 2021 is when Walt Disney World is going to be celebrating its 50th anniversary, and anything that shifts the spotlight in Central Florida away from the mouse during that year, as far as universal management is concerned, would be a good thing.
1: Yeah, and it's good that they're they're thinking this far out, mm-hmm. but I think we're all kind of remembering how the PR side of the theme parks are very good at their jobs, mm-hmm. but we're looking at a, a situation where we just don't know what what happens in theme parks for construction, hmm. like going back to test track and dealing with how there are many different situations that come up from you know hurricanes to just flat out uh you know material shortage. We're also looking at the possibility of yes, having Jurassic world and having this coaster be up and running that's perfectly fine, but we're at that point two years out because if twenty twenty one is a year and a half from now, and then you have another two years after that, that's when Epic Universe is supposed to be coming online. So there's a lot of well, what is Remember that the last we heard about Epic Universe, they're now saying... 2000-
0: 2024. 2024. One of the things that the Universal Orlando Resort keeps very close to its heart is what happened with Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket back in 2009. Yep. I mean, you and I have talked at length about that previously, about... That thing was supposed to be open for Memorial Day, and they barely got it open yeah. by, you know, the tail end of August, you know. And they had built that year's entire promotional campaign around that. So this there's a certain level of hesitancy to, you know, just when you're you're dealing with coasters. And as we just learned this past summer with Hagrid.
1: When you put a, a date on something, it's always very difficult to stick to it. Mm-hmm. And we also saw that on the other coast with Jurassic World, uh, the, the ride, mm-hmm. they didn't actually announce an opening date. They just went out and said, it's open. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was a tweet that went out. So uh, Instagram put out and they were just like, oh, it's open. And everyone was just like, no, but we were just doing soft opens. Mm-hmm. We thought you were going to tell us, you know, an opening date so we could be there on that specific day. And it just was just like, nope. We're open. So it's two different ways.
0: Yeah. And in much the same way as what happened with Galaxy's Edge, that Disney just felt compelled at, you know, eventually to reveal that it would be opening, you know, on August 29th because people were postponing their trips to Orlando. It's like, I want to go when that's go. And, and now, especially with NBC Universal making Jurassic World such a in-the-front-window, front-of-mind proposition... You know, lots and lots and lots of pressure to you know deliver the goods there. But again, you you can't fault them for, for trying new ideas. And oh, oh uh, speaking of which, you you once again were digging down into the patents and found something interesting, universal related.
1: Yeah. So we've got universal all access. Once again, I love uh, finding these these little uh, tidbits. Um, it looks like it was you know actually in the the same. Realm as, you know, Universal Monsters and Minions, The Rise of Gru. So it looks like this trademark is more focused around the video digital side Mm -hmm. versus in the parks. So this was a very interesting thing. And when I flipped it over to you, I think we both kind of had the same response, which is, yeah, but Disney Plus. So is it the same? In the description for this
0: copyright... It talks about computerized online ordering featuring digital media, namely pre-recorded digital video recordings featuring motion pictures, television shows, and entertainment programs. And the fact that they copyrighted this on, what, the 15th of this month?
1: Well, it was filed um, Sunday, June 6th uh-huh. of this year. Okay. Disney Plus launches on
0: November 12th. And yep. I'm sorry, with Disney launching its new subscription streaming service, the fact that NBC Universal is is also sliding something like this out the door genuinely intrigues me. I mean, the timing is just yeah. a little suspect. And speaking of timing, time's up for that contest that, that Dust and I were holding out ahead of our uh, Christmas and Universal event, which is being held at the Universal Orlando Resort from Friday, November fifteenth through Monday, November eighteenth. We had over two hundred and seventy people enter this contest, which Oh wow. Yep. Uh, ended on October 15th. And Nancy, God lover, then used a random number generator to pick a lucky winner. So there was no prejudice going into this. And we sent a reach out to this winner who was thrilled and said that they will definitely be joining us, Dustin, uh, in nice. Florida next month. Can't reveal their name just yet because they still have to. Sign and return all the necessary forms. So, gotta love lawyers.
1: <laughs> Actually, I I love lawyers as much as the the first Jurassic Park. Remember when the lawyer uh, gets scooped up? Uh, in, oh, good times, yeah. good times. Okay.
0: Well, but anyway, I promise, folks, by the, by the next time Dustin and I record a brand new Universal joint, we'll be able to reveal the name of our lucky contest winner. Speaking of Christmas and Universal, early this week, the Universal Lander Resort revealed that Mannheim Steamroller, which is supposedly the best-selling holiday artist of all time, will be performing at
1: Universal Studios Florida this holiday season. Did you find that on, on Wikipedia? Because I, I don't know. There there are some solid holiday artists. I think anytime Justin Bieber or NSYNC put out a a new holiday album, I'm like, oh, this is really good. It's the best-selling ever. Mm. No? Okay. Well, I tried.
0: (laughs) Okay. Concert dates for Mannheim Steamroller uh, this year are all on Saturdays and Sundays. They include November 16th and 17th, uh, November 23rd and 24th, November 30th and December 1st, uh, Mm -hmm. December 7th and 8th, and the last set of concerts are going to be held on December 14th and 15th. In fact, Mannheim Steamroller will be playing at Universal Studios Florida on the exact same weekend that you and I are going to be holding our Christmas in in Universal event. Thanks to the folks at uh, Storybook Destinations for making that happen. You can get details about the event at the Storybook Destination website. But not to be a Grinch or anything, but I I have to admit I'm not exactly a fan of Mannheim Steamroller. I mean, look, I, I get the obvious artistry that goes into what they describe as their 18th century classic rock renditions of the Christmas standards, but I am an old fart. Alright, if I had my druthers, I my favorite holiday date tunes are are usually performed by Perry Como, Rosemary Clooney, Bing Crosby, but each their own, I guess. I mean there were those who like cold butterbeer, there are those who like frozen butterbeer or butter <laughs> butterbeer ice cream. There are even, yep. even those who like hot butterbeer, which By the way, the Universal Orlando Resort began serving again earlier this week. I I just checked it's going to be 88 degrees there tomorrow, Dustin, and (laughs) nothing quenches the thirst like a piping hot mug of type 2
1: diabetes. We made that joke with blue milk and green milk over in, in Star Wars because... The one thing that quenches your thirst during the summertime is milk. Yeah. So Mm. I'm Ah. always a big fan of these uh, ideas of like, oh, we're gonna reintroduce this. Yeah, I get it. in In the real world, it's cold. It's going to snow. That kind of thing. But in Florida, the last thing that you want is something hot. But on the
0: other hand, if you're a Floridian, my pal Seth Kurbisky loves this stuff. I mean, he when, when it was introduced, he could not say enough nice things about hot. Butterbeer, which reminds me, I really have to go change the batteries on a glucose meter. Okay, so let's pause here for a moment here, Dustin. When we get back from this brief commercial break, you and I will discuss the latest news in regard to Universal
1: Studios Beijing. Before we get started here, Dustin, you wanted to give us an update on the Epic Character Race Weekend. Yeah, so it looks like early registration is now open for Running Universal's inaugural epic character race, which is a 5K and a 10K. It's a, a full weekend, so February 1st and 2nd of 2020 at Universal Orlando Resort. Check out the, the Running Universal website for this information and for anyone who loves running, have fun. For I, I think I can speak for you, Jim. We're not running unless something is chasing us. So enjoy. (laughs) I've always suggested
0: that if someone was willing to drag a box of donuts in front of me, I might move (laughs) quickly. But again, that was pre-diabetes. Well, anyway, speaking of Epic, I want to give a brief shout out to uh, Alicia Stella, who, honestly, Alicia has to have access to some sort of network of tunnels that come up in the middle of Universal Creative's offices, Did you see the images she put up on Twitter earlier this week that showed the version of the Secret Life of Pets off the leash ride? Uh, The one that's under construction at at Universal Studios Hollywood right now?
1: Yeah, it looks awesome, and I I personally have to say Alicia is doing some great work with the sleuthing out there. Uh, I think... As a Universal Orlando and Universal Studios theme park fan, Alicia is definitely one of those Twitter accounts and uh, Instagram accounts you have to pay attention to. But she's gotta be making Universal crazy. Oh,
0: absolutely crazy! I mean, especially for example, this week she had images up from when this family-friendly dark ride was supposed to have been featured uh, trackless vehicles and yeah. The version of this attraction that's now being built on the upper lot at Universal Studios Hollywood features an Omnimover-based ride system. So why did Universal Creative abandon the idea of using a trackless ride system for Hollywood secret life of pet off the leash ride out ahead of the June 2019 release of this Illuminations Entertainment film? A Universal Creative exec saw a work in progress of this animated feature. And then decided it just wasn't as good as the original Secret Life of Pets, which was released at theaters back in July of 2016. Which, to their way of thinking, meant that the Secret Life of Pets wasn't going to do nearly as well as the box office of the original Secret Life of Pets had. So this executive decides to make an adjustment to the overall construction budget for Universal Studios Hollywood Secret Life of Pet off the leash attraction, which meant that this, you know, it just wasn't possible for this family-friendly dark ride to be built using a trackless ride system. So they defaulted to going with an omnimover-based system. And this universal creative executive was correct. Uh, Original Secret Life of Pets, which produced for a budget $75 million, sold $360 million worth of tickets in North America, an additional 507 million tickets uh, overseas, worldwide total gross of $875 million. Okay. Okay. Now contrast that with how Secret Life of Pets did just this past summer, when that Illuminations Entertainment film. Well, first of all, it cost eighty million dollars, five million more than the original, uh, you know, film in the series. Sure. Secret Life of Pets in North America only sold a hundred and fifty-eight million worth of tickets. That's two hundred and ten million less than the original film, and then overseas, almost as bad. Secret Life of Pets two. Only sold 271 worth of tickets. That's 230 million dollars less than the original Secret Life of Pets earned back in 2016. So if you factor that, and you do the worldwide gross of Secret Life of Pets was just 429 million dollars. And again, I would happily accept just <laughs> 421 or 429 million dollars. But that was less than half the business the original Secret Life of Pets did back in 2016. A box office shortfall fall off of $446
1: million. Wow. Yeah. But here here's the question that like when when you see those numbers, mm-hmm. what went wrong? The original Secret Life of
0: Pets was released in July. That's the Secret Life Pets was released in June. Depending on who you talk to, so it's well, the kids weren't out of school, and it's like, really? It's competition that was still when Endgame was eating, you know, the sucking the oxygen out of, you know, depending on who you talk to, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of theories out there. But, you know, the folks at Illuminations who were already, as they were finishing two, were teeing up three, kind of hit the pause button there. Because it's <laughs> a pause on a dog. Hey. But <laughs> anyway, very good call on the Universal Creative Executive's part to creep in the construction budget. Theme park design is kind of an inexact science, uh, which is why even after you do all sorts of surveys and focus groups, sometimes you just have to go with your gut, or more to the point, what the client tells you they want. By the way, uh, brings us to the Universal Beijing Project. October thirteenth, two 2014, the Universal Studios Beijing Project gets announced. By October 31st of 2016, ground is broken on this $3 billion resort, the seventh Universal theme park worldwide, and the third to be built in Asia. Given that Universal Parks and Resorts is partnering with BSH Investment, which is actually a consortium of four Chinese state-owned companies on this $3 billion project. Well, BSNH wasn't looking to reinvent the wheel here, at least when it came to Universal Studios Beijing when it came to phase one of this theme park and resort. What BSNH Investment wanted was to only go with road-tested IPs, rides, shows, and attractions at a heart that had already proved themselves to be popular with visitors to the other universal theme parks around the globe. Which is why, just this week on October 12, 2019, as Universal Studios Beijing revealed the names of the seven theme zones to be featured in this 130-acre theme park, that which just makes up a portion of this 990-acre resort, a lot of the names that got thrown out there were very, very familiar. I couldn't help but think when I was looking at that video they put out and they walked us through the park, what immediately came to mind was uh, remember that parade, the Universal Spectacle Night Parade, the best of Hollywood? <laughs> yeah. Which debuted at Universal Studios Japan back in May of last year? Every single unit in this parade is tied to just four IPs. Yeah. You got Despicable Me Minions, you got Jurassic World, you got Harry Potter, and you got Transformers. So this is all about road-tested IPs. So if you pivot to Universal Studios Beijing, Four of the seven theme zones announced for that theme park were tied to the exact same IPs. BSNH Investment isn't interested in risk. They want sure things. Ride shows and attractions that have already been proven to be popular in Orlando, Osaka, Singapore, and Hollywood when it comes to Universal Studios Beijing. That's why, for example, the theme park entrance complex retail corridor portion of this mm-hmm. park, uh, Universal Creative went... With a Hollywood theme, which has been part of the Universal Theme Park experience back since July of 64. You know, that was when tourists vacationing in Southern California could finally officially buy tickets to the Universal Tour, climb on the Glamour Tram, and roll around the back lot. hope that Fred Gwynne would come wandering out in his Herman Munster
1: makeup which funny that you bring up the tram did you did you see the trams for the backlot tour are actually being retrofitted to become electric vehicles oh
0: no i did not see that
1: we'll tease that for the next show no, but when no, 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 when we were talking about that i'm like hey this is coming <laughs> no. okay let's definitely circle back on that
0: one uh, but but at the same time okay so you get your hollywood theme if you look at the, many of the shops, stores, and restaurants that are supposed to be featured in Universal Beijing, you know, things like Mel's Diner, that's that's taking its inspiration from Universal Studios Florida, which actually opened back in June of 1990. I mean, it just, it kind of reminds me of the stories that, that Disney told about the Oriental Land Company executives who, when Disney was first proposing building a park for Tokyo Bay, well, let's do something different, and then the no, the the Oriental Land executives literally walked through oh Walt well, Disney World and Disneyland and said, "Okay, we want Disney World's castle, and we yep. want Disneyland's Pirates of the Caribbean, and it's not a buffet." And but yeah, the, well, they
1: they went out there and they they found like the um the, like a Scholastic book order mm-hmm. where you go through and you're like, "Okay, I want one of these, I want one of these, I want that, mm-hmm. but can we retrofit it with a different IP?" Mm-hmm. Because that's something that we're seeing with the announced news, right? Like, there were things that were announced that had a very distinct look to them. For example, Waterworld. All right. That's a stunt
0: show. It's literally called Waterworld, a live sea war spectacular. Uh, That opened in October of 95 at Universal Studios Hollywood. It was so popular with international guests not so much the folks in southern california but international guests loved it that when it you know when they built universal studios japan when that park opened in may of 2021 oh excuse me 2001 they built a, a water world stunt show as part of that theme park as well and let's not forget when we were talking about the uh, universal dubai that They too, you know, were supposed to have a water world. And then Singapore, which opened in March of 2010, we now get our our third version of water world. Back in April of 2017, they actually refreshed the Hollywood version and the changes that were then made to the Hollywood version were incorporated into the Japan one back in uh, June of 2018. There we go. There we go. All right. They're talking about uh, water world land. Okay. Sure. Now, the stunt show in California and Singapore and uh, Osaka is 16 minutes long. And yeah, there's the movie. There's a 135-minute long movie that went on to theaters in 1995. There's also the the version that ran on ABC that was 40 minutes long and – There's the Blu-ray that came out in February of of this year, Dustin, that's nearly three hours long. Oh, come on. Yeah. (laughs) But 90% of that movie is set on water. (laughs) And it's just sort of like, this is Beijing, where it gets down from December through February. It gets down into the 30s. In fact, it, it sometimes does, in fact, snow. They don't call them splash zones at the show. They call them soak zones. You know who's going to sit in the stands to watch this? You know if they're going to do the
1: stuntacular in December, January, or February? It's why no one goes on the water rides at Islands of Adventure mm-hmm. during the, the the cold season, or they have to turn off the extra soak. The the mechanisms that as you're turning around the corner on Dudley Do Rides, mm-hmm. you could pay to that's right, you know, sp- that's right. spray people. Mm-hmm. It actually makes sense why most of the, the water attractions go down mm-hmm. for refurbishment. Cause it's like why would we have them operating if they're only going to be running at ten percent occupancy. That's an excellent observation.
0: Pivoting to another taking at something that's just an attraction and making it a land, we have Minion Land, which of course keys off of the original Despicable Me film. And it wasn't it was Less than two years later, Despicable Me Minion Mayhem opens at Universal Studio, Florida. But we also got a super silly Funland park right off of the exit and gift shop for Despicable Me Minion Mayhem. Minions, the movie, comes out the following year, and the Minion standalone film is the highest grossing uh, film out of the franchise so far. It, it made... One point one five billion worldwide.
1: That's incredible. It is. It
0: is. And so, knowing this and knowing particularly, I mean, the thing is, the overseas business. I mean, and of that one point one five billion, eight hundred and twenty-three million dollars of that was overseas. So mm-hmm. it's really no surprise that come April of two thousand seventeen. We not only get Despicable Me, Minion Mayhem, added to Universal Studios Japan, they get an entirely new land. I mean, it's not just sort of you know, gift shop and super silly fun land. They did what they call Minion Park. And to create the space for this, Dustin, they actually tore out Back to the Future, The Ride, one of my favorites. And I don't get me wrong, I love The Simpsons, but still kind of breaks my heart that I can't go visit Doc Brown.
1: Well, Doc Brown still does his uh, meet and greets every once in a while. He does, uh, he, he does. Got, he has his train. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think it, that's always a funny thing. And I, as soon as I saw the, mm-hmm. um, the concept art for the, the Minion Land, first thing that came to my mind, and I, I, I said it out loud, I'm like, that's The Simpsons. Um, when you actually look at it, the entranceway, if you take um crusty mm-hmm. for um you know the midway and everything that they have out there take it out and replace it with a minion mm-hmm. that's basically what this uh, the concept art screamed to me mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense because the whole Fox uh, acquisition of the Simpsons and you know uh, minions and Despicable Me, that's that's kind of an in-house thing at this point. Oh, yeah. so- well
0: again, you know, the circle back on the whole NBC universal are our IPs, which brings us to the, the last new land, the Kung Fu Panda land of awesomeness. We got the first Kung Fu Panda movie back in June of 2008. Sequels followed in uh, May of 2011 and January of 2016. Come April of that same year, NBC Universal buys DreamWorks Animation for 3.8 billion. Not a coincidence. The Universal Parks planning this third park in Asia, that they felt that they really needed to step up, especially when it came to the Lunar New Year. So, uh, for example, February of, of 2018, the upper lot at Universal Studios Hollywood becomes this huge, elaborate celebration for the Lunar New Year. And one of the things they did that was absolutely spectacular, in fact, you can go online and still catch find YouTube things for this, Is they set up Mr. Ping's noodle shop. Mm -hmm. And what was truly cool about this is that, and I wanna say it's the folks at Henson that built uh, the Mr. Ping puppet.
1: Yeah, I remember us talking about that. Yeah. It it was one of those things where just like, oh, that was a great partnership deal.
0: No, absolutely. And they did such a great job. You know, again, it was only supposed to run in February, but it got such a big reaction from guests visiting the park. They actually brought the noodle shop back. In the summer of 2018, something that you you discover as you wander the Upper Lot. Now, mind you, during that same very same period, we had the DreamWorks Theater open in the Upper Lot, which was the replacement for the Shrek 4D, and it opened with a brand new animated film, Kung Fu Panda: The Emperor's Quest. And as it's been explained to me, the two, one of the two key elements of Land of Awesomeness that's being opened in in, uh, Universal Studios Beijing. They're definitely doing the Emperor's Quest 4D movie. There Mm -hmm. will be a Mr. Ping's Noodle Shop experience. Also will be a Poe and Tigris set of walk-around
1: characters. Yeah. I'm seeing that there's going to be things like Jade Palace, the Panda Village, and the Peach Tree of Heavenly Wisdom. Mm -hmm. They're really going to step up the food game. It looks like they're going to create... This environment, once again, an immersive ev- environment for this, this film that everyone, I kind of stopped myself, everyone loves. They really enjoy it, but they like going back and seeing what these characters are up to.
0: When the first film came out in June of 2008, Jeffrey Katzenberg, the then head of DreamWorks Animation talked about how the Kung Fu Panda story he inven- originally envisioned as a six film series. Mm-hmm. Now you have the folks at Illuminations, uh, the gentleman who's in charge of that suit, who is also kind of a, you know, the John Lasseter role, uh, is calling the shots also at DreamWorks Animation. And my understanding, I know they're doing a Shrek reboot. I have not heard whether or not, you know, we're going to get a fourth. Kung Fu Panda
1: film. Well and Jack Black is such a uh an iconic um voice for this franchise. And you know, at the end of the day, it's easier to do a animated voice than it is to do a live action voice. So I could see them really kind of pushing through the idea that maybe it is just jack show and they'll bring in new supporting characters, but when all of this information came out with regards to Universal Studios Beijing, it's very, like when you look at it, it is Universal Studios. There is Jurassic World, there's Waterworld, there's a bunch of things that are in this, uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. All of these things are basically a Universal Studios fan getaway. You'll be able to go and do Butterbeer at this park. You're going to be able to do everything that you can imagine, and it'll feel like you're at a stateside park. But. They leaned very heavily on proven IP, get road tested, ride
0: shows, and attraction. But the other news that broke this week that about how the truly innovative aspect of mm-hmm. uh, Universal Studios Beijing, it was their announcement of a strategic partnership with Alibaba. This will be controversial with, with a number of folks, but what will make this park different? from any other universal park in the world is the fact that they're going to make use of Alibaba's facial recognition technology. You can use it to enter the park, to access a locker. If you're paid for the Express, you know, Universal Express program, that'll get you there. Use your face to pay for merchandise and meals. And not only that, kind of for folks who aren't comfortable with that, there will be an Alibaba app that will also allow people to skip lines and order food.
1: And how long ago did Disney Institute magic bands at the parks? Do you want a little bit of a way back machine? Mm-hmm. So it looks like the bands were introduced on January 7th, 2013 mm-hmm. by Tom Steggs wow. as part of my Disney or my magic plus. So Whatever th- happened to Tom Staggs?
0: <laughs> it wasn't all that long ago that Tom was supposedly being considered as the new head of CBS, largely because he was so squeaky clean and had such a great reputation coming out of Disney that they were kind of hoping he'd be the perfect replacement for Les Moonves. I I don't know what happened there. To be honest, you know, there's been that protracted fight with the board and Cherry Redstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder once the dust settles whether they'll pivot back to Tom. But no, he's... he's you know, he walked away from Disney with a stellar reputation, just waiting for the right opportunity.
1: Well, you know, all, all about opportunities, that that's what it's all about. And I think that one of the things that this announcement was basically giving a whole new opportunity to Universal Studios Beijing to succeed from the get-go and then work on phase two, right? <laughs> well, yeah,
0: and that's the thing that intrigues me when I think about it. You know, we, we, you know you can go right now online online. And look at photos coming out of Osaka at the Nintendo Land that's being built at Universal Studios Japan. Mm -hmm. Or if you stand in the right place at Universal Studios Hollywood, you can supposedly look down at the yet-to-be-officially-announced Nintendo attractions that are being built out behind Universal's
1: Jurassic World ride, you know, on the lower lawn. It's going three stories up now. Like, they've... They've now gone vertical, and it's one of those things that Universal versus Disney. <laughs> Disney announces, and Universal is just like, no, no, there, there's nothing to see here. La
0: la la, la. don't pay attention. <laughs> BSH Investments had to have the opportunity to get it on the ground floor and, and Nintendo. And they said no. They wanted to play it safe with Phase 1. They go safe with all of their ride shows and attractions, and yet... Think about it. this facial recognition system to pay for food, for pay for merch. Uh, how cutting edge that is! That's where they they decided to roll the dice. You know, they just yep. will play safe with everything else, but that. Oh, anyway, folks, I, you know that. Uh, we could go on for hours about this. More to the point, you know, if you know when it comes time for the. The event in November, Dustin and I will probably talk at length about, you know, for example, as you walk around uh, Universal Studios Florida, you know, what chunks of that are going to show up at Universal Studios Beijing? Uh, speaking of which, Dustin, you want to give folks a quick rundown of, of what the, the event in November is actually about?
1: Once again, always, always fun time to think about what to do in... In November, if you are interested in coming out for the Universal Joint live podcast event, this is basically what's going on. We've got November 15th, we're doing dinners and doing a resort holiday decoration tour. November 16th, the Saturday, that is basically Universal Studios Florida Day, where we're doing a a, a tour in the morning. Um, then we're doing the Universal's Hollywood Parade fe- featuring Macy's, and then an evening uh, cinematic Celebration Dessert Party. Sunday, we are uh, doing an Isles of Adventure Day where it's uh, a historic walk around that park in the morning and then the Grinchmas Day Spectacular followed by a live recording of this show at uh, the Lowe's Sapphire Falls Resort followed by the magic of Christmas at Hogwarts Castle, and then my favorite part, ending the event with a uh, a, a morning meetup at Voodoo Donuts. Just, you can't go wrong with ending an a, an awesome event with donuts.
0: Eh, and now you're making me think about Tim Hortons. <sighs> oh, I'm sorry. I was
1: actually there earlier today. It's, <sighs> you know, I think Voodoo Donuts have them beat. Well,
0: okay. Uh, by the way, folks, the deadline for registering for this event is November 1st, and from what the folks at Storybook Destination have been telling me, reservations are going fast. I, in fact, as of today, there's only a few rooms, fewer than five, I think. So, if you want to get into the fun, join Destin and I at the Universal Orlando Resort for the start of this year's holiday season. I'd reach out to Storybook Destinations ASAP. We'll have lots of great stories to share as we wander around Universal Studios Florida and Isle's adventure, but. If our listeners just can't wait till November 15th to start hearing tales like that, Dustin,
1: where else can they find you on the web? So I'm over at steps StepsToMagic.com, uh, Disney and Universal Trip Planning, Top Ten Lists. Uh, I still tell people I talk about uh, cupcakes for a living. Uh, it's great fun. Um, I'm also on the We Like Theme Parks podcast. Uh, basically three guys getting together talking about how much we like theme parks. And, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this event in November, so if anyone really does want to get this uh, you know, be surrounded not just with Jim and myself, but also people who are really into Universal you can't go wrong with joining us uh, November 15th through until the 18th.
0: On the JHM side, what do we got? We got Disney Dish with Lantesta we got Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor we got Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan there we got the Marvelous Disney Podcast, which I do with Aaron Adams, and we have the I Want That Podcast, and Michelle Valladolid is down at Walt Disney World, walking through every store, noting all of the cool stuff that's there for Flower and Garden, and uh, Mickey's Not So Scary, and the like. I'll tell you what, if you like what you hear here, and you want to be supportive, do myself and Dustin a favor head over to iTunes and rate and recommend our shows, including the ones that, that Dustin mentioned earlier. On the other hand, if you really, really, really like what we do here, if you could subscribe to Bandcamp, that would be incredibly helpful. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon.